<laughs> you know what? Fuck you both. And, and fuck you as well, Ozzy. You're probably going to say something that will rile me up in a minute. I was going to say you were mellowing out in your old age, but... You're Welcome to another edition of Films on Trial. I'm Gav. Uh, I was almost going to say I'm Alex, but I'm not Alex, thankfully. <laughs> I'm, I'm Joel. <laughs> I'm Dave. <laughs> and I'm Austin. And we continue our rom-com season as each one of the films on trial guys are picking a rom-com and putting it on trial. This week, it's my turn, and I've picked the Naughties romantic comedy horror Monster in law. <laughs> because why the hell not? Is it a white wedding or is it a sham marriage? Essentially, we're going to find out if this film will be placed on our esteemed hit list or our steaming shit list. Now, before we go on, our last film on trial was Clueless, which Alex judged and deemed that it should be placed on the hit list. Now, he has gone away. I think he's watched it. I don't know if he liked it or not. So maybe we can just discuss it here as a collective. What do we think? Do we think that Alex made the right decision by placing Clueless on the hit list? Oh, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. Okay, well, I mean, that was a great he's... conversation. <laughs> <laughs> we, we said our bit last week. This is the bit where he says his bit, and, he, and he's not here. So. Okay. okay, I imagine he'd, he'd say something like, I thought he was brilliant. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, no, I, I think he 100% made the, the right call, to be fair. I, th- I think the, the prosecution made a couple of good points last week, but I, I do think that it is a little bit nostalgic, and it's one of those things that you watch it and it really takes you back to that time and place. And I think that uh, a much younger generation who weren't even alive during that time and place still feel nostalgic for it because yeah, the 90s are back in fashion now and that mm-hmm. film just basically encapsulated the 90s, I think. Thanks, guys. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's, 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 what did you Applause. Jesus, <laughs> a little bit of acknowledgement, even just like your head's moving up and down. Might well, I was nice. nodding. I was nodding. To be not, fair. Not, not nodding enthusiastically enough for me, Dave. I <laughs> thought it was just like a soliloquy that you were going on and you just wanted a little bit of gravitas at the end of your, your piece. Yeah, yeah. I was, I was waiting for that sort of like impactful moment of silence. <laughs> yeah. I, I was pausing for impact. Yeah, thanks, Ozzy. Right, fucking hell, this episode's going to be like pulling teeth, isn't it? Right, I'm moving on to the trial now. Who would have thought, you know, Alex goes missing for a bit and and the whole thing just falls apart. You thought that out of all of us, Alex would be the linchpin. Uh, (laughs) I suppose without Alex here, there's nobody to really bully, is there? So, unfortunately, uh, I'm going to have to direct all of my venom towards Ozzy. (laughs) (laughs) The judge. (laughs) (laughs) See how well it goes. Pick pick again, Gav. (laughs) Now, on to the trial. All of the roles haven't been picked out of the hat at random. Because I picked this week's film, I have also picked all of the roles. Now, I'm just like J-Lo's character, Charlie. Uh, I'm not going to go down the obvious route and insult my mother-in-law, just in case my mother-in-law ever listens to this episode. (laughs) So I'm just going to leave it at that, I think. Uh, Not that my mother-in-law would listen to this, because I think she's only ever listened to one episode before, and it was the Roadhouse one. 
and she switched <laughs> off as soon as I mentioned Patrick Swayze's bare ass. Uh, I think it's a little too blue for hair liking. But anyway, <laughs> today joining me in defense is Dave, a man who is just like Wanda Sykes' character, Ruby. He's the long-suffering support to an eccentric, loud, and controlling personality. <laughs> I'll take <tell you> that. <laughs> And acting as prosecution and trying to get this film placed on the shit list is Joel, who is just like Michael Vartan's character, Kevin, in that he's torn between his two loves, his partner and somebody who is overbearing and overprotective and just wants what's best for him. Is that too much to ask for, Joel, is it? Just just wear the dress that I bought you. (laughs) Now, just like real court advocates, the defense and prosecution will be making the best cases for their roles. These may or may not be their real opinions, though, so do stay tuned until the end of the episode to hear their genuine thoughts. And in the role of judge who has to decide which list this film should be placed on, the hit or the shit based solely on their arguments, is Ozzy. And he is just like Jane Fonda's character, Viola Fields, in that he's a fashion icon with a drinking problem. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe less funny if I hadn't just opened a bottle of wine. (laughs) (laughs) I only wish you were drinking it in a suit, does he? (laughs) (laughs) Now, before we get started, I think we should probably give the audience a bit of a better understanding as to what this film is all about. I would spin the wheel of impressions, but I think because it's my choice, didn't we agree last week that whoever picks the film has to do the impression as well? Mm Mm-hmm. So, uh, mm-hmm. well, what we do here is we basically read off the synopsis of the film in the style of one of the cast or characters from the film. So how would you like me to read? <laughs> <laughs> is, I think there's only one, like, acceptable <laughs> option here. Uh, Jane Fonda? It's, yeah, it's kind of, it's got to be Jane. <laughs> how the fuck does Jane Fonda sound? I don't even know. <laughs> okay, right. Can you just do it as though you were giving us a workout video? Yeah. No, because that could be easily misconstrued to anybody who's just joining He's been burned before. He's too smart for that one, obviously. His first rodeo. <laughs> okay, uh, so um, I'll try. Okay, is the synopsis in the style of Jane Fonda? Okay. The love life of Charlotte. <laughs> a female Christopher Walken. <laughs> it's reduced. To an endless string of disastrous blind dates <laughs> until she meets the perfect man, Kevin. Unfortunately, his merciless mother will do anything to destroy their relationship. I loved it. <laughs> oh, oh, no. I feel... <laughs> feel wrong i mean t- times times have been hard for jane Fonda, you know? <laughs> it sounds like times have been hard for joe pesci <laughs> honestly when you started i thought it was jimmy stewart <laughs> oh no okay right so without further hesitation can we please kick off proceedings ozzy yes well i feel like we're in for a good episode already you've been on top form um so let's can I have a slightly bigger um, synopsis of the um, of the film? Just get a feel for it, or is that is that more than enough of a synopsis? No, no, I'll give you a bit of a, a better overview with less of a ridiculous voice. Uh, note that I'm saying 
not a ridiculous voice was less on. That was going to be my first comeback. Yeah. <laughs> I could see you around. Yeah. Yeah. I was like, yes. You set me up. <laughs> where, where does one terrible voice end and the other one begin? Uh, <laughs> anyway, after years of looking for Mr. Wright, Charlie, played by J-Lo, finally finds the man of her dreams in Kevin Fields, only to discover that his mother, Viola, is the woman of her nightmares. Now, Viola is a recently fired TV presenter who is afraid she will lose her son the way that she lost her career. So she determines to scare off her son's new fiance by becoming the world's worst mother-in-law. After accommodating Viola's deverish behavior for so long, Charlie decides to fight back as the gloves come off and these two women battle it out to see just who is the alpha female between the two of them. So yeah, right. the reason I picked this film is because I watched it recently and I genuinely enjoyed it. Like I, I genuinely enjoyed it. And then as I do with every film I watch, I went to find out some more information about it. So I went on IMDb, I went on Rotten Tomatoes, and I was genuinely shocked by all of the negative reviews. The absolute bile directed towards J-Lo was horrendous. It reminded me a little bit of Crossroads, which, which got a similarly unjust backlash, I find. And, you know, yes, this film is a little cliched, and it does have its flaws. It's a little like Meet the Parents light, it could have been maybe a bit fleshed out a bit more with its characters. It features several rom-com tropes, but it is Aren't still... defending this film? Yeah, wait, 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 wait. <laughs> what I'm saying is, on the whole, it's genuinely a really fun watch. It's short, it's funny, it's sweet. It has two energetic, charming, and comedic performances from a stellar pair who display sincere chemistry, and it's packed with some genuinely funny moments and dialogue. I just don't know what people want. What? <laughs> I'm just getting really, really passionate about this film. I just, I just don't know what more people want from this Aussie. Tell me. It sounds, it sounds great. I mean, sincere, funny, real chemistry. I'm sure Joel's about to. It does. It sound great though, Aussie, because. Normally, when Gav defends a film, he spends about half an hour boring the pants off everyone, telling, <laughs> you know, speaking about stuff that's just unnecessary. And he's literally covered the film in about half a second there. So I think that tells the you all you need to I know. I thought it might have been a new tact to try and keep keep my attention. Try and keep you. It was, it was yeah. because as he's the judge, I don't know that he can only hold somebody's attention for about five seconds. <laughs> yeah, that's. I thought it might have been properly aimed at me. So. No, but seriously, so like I, I did notice that Gav's uh, argument was shorter than usual, but actually it was succinct. It was to the point. It felt like it was, uh, you know, it was genuinely thought out and edited. He's had an extra week to just trim it down and not, not read out. Trim it down from essay. the essay, did it? On the whole, why isn't this a, a good film? You know, what, 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 what's not to like about it, John? I mean, Gav did half my job for me, though. Like, it's got you know critically bombed you know all the reviews for this are entirely negative he used the kind of crossroads reference and maybe it's unfair that j-lo herself receives so much criticism as in like of the personal nature but it's not unfair that she is getting criticism because the film shit because it is it starts off with two dogs shagging and that's kind of setting the tone for <laughs> the rest of the film that's kind of like you know that's in, the, the level of the comedy love. that That's you get. <laughs> love comes in many That's forms. 
that's how they should have started love actually <laughs> I would have watched it if, if it has um, what would you and- rather Rossi? would you rather a film start with like dog love <laughs> <laughs> or dog a reference to one of the biggest <laughs> terrorist atrocities in the history of man what, what would you rather I, I think whatever answer he gives there is the wrong answer so maybe just don't answer that one Ozzy um, but it, it kind of, I mean, as I say, that it sets the tone from there. The entire kind of meat and potatoes of this film is wrong as well. Like, it's called Monster in Law. And that's an idea that I can get behind in a way, because, you know, everybody can kind of sympathise a little bit if you've got a mother-in-law that you don't like. It's kind of like, you know, that age-old joke, you know, going to see the mother-in-law, like, you know, where was me type of thing. But... The mother-in-law is just such a massive bitch to Jennifer Lopez's character. Like, it's not funny. Like, she's an actual fucking horror to her. And it gets to the point where, you know, you massively, massively feel sorry for J-Lo's character. And that is not what this film is going for, like, at all. It's kind of meant to be portrayed as, you know, more kind of comedic, light-hearted approach. And... The mom is just far too overprotective as well. Um, you know, Gav mentioned there that she wants to keep her son for herself. And that, again, is just kind of ringing alarm bells, I think, when I was watching it. And yeah, just the, the kind of chemistry between everybody is just completely off as well. Um, you know, you've got J-Lo's character, Charlie, and then her kind of husband-to-be. And then you've got Jane Fonda's Viola, the mom. And the chemistry between all of them, I just think, is is completely out of whack. Like, the the relationship to begin with isn't believable. Like, her husband d- doesn't really sympathise with the fact that his mum, Viola, is being a complete and utter bitch to his wife. You know, if, if this was a real-life situation, and I understand, like, it's not, but if it was, there'd at least be, like, you know, a little bit of sympathy there. And that all kind of goes out the window. And I, I mentioned the two dogs shagging. That is kind of the level of humour in this film, which I'm sure we'll get onto a little bit kind of later on. But the fact that, you know, we're talking about rom-coms here, romantic comedy, there's very little romance in it, as I said, because the chemistry is not there. The husband is not protecting his wife-to-be as he should be from his mother. And the comedy part of it is bottom of the barrel, like bargain bin comedy type of thing. So overall, the plot is very, very lazy. Gav already said it's full of tropes, which it is. And it's just entirely forgettable. Just before we recording, I was talking to this about Dave and I said, you know, I watched this film two weeks ago and I'm struggling, to be honest, to remember anything of note that actually happened in it. It's because it's one of those films that you watch and you instantly forget about it. And it's a film that I've seen many, many times as well, because it's all it's one of those films that like, you know, it'll be 9 p.m. You turn on like ICV4 or whatever and it's on and it's on like, you know, once a month. For every year. <laughs> it's that type of film you know like and it is one of them films i suppose that you can't put on and watch in the background and whatever but it, it, it's not going to live long in the memory and it's full of problems and there's just a lot better films to you know kind of waste your time with maybe uh maybe joel's the old one now that 9 9 p.m is that time of uh sorry i see that you've patiently got your uh your hand in the air there wanting to come back on some of these things Thank you. Thank you very much, Justin. Uh, I'd like to say, firstly, that let's not forget that Joel is incredibly sleep-deprived of having a, a, a one-year-old. One Maybe you know, I did watch the film. <laughs> <laughs> Just imagine that I watched it. 
So just because he's forgotten something that happened two weeks ago doesn't mean that it was it wasn't a bad film. Sorry, it wasn't a good film. Um, I will say that you know it's 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 a lot more nuanced than Joel is making out. So the character yeah. of Viola has <laughs> has a, a sort of a mental health crisis. She has a nervous breakdown and she ends up in a, a medical facility. And when she comes out, she's told the news about the um, the the engagement. And she sort of plays upon that with her son. So it isn't a case that the son doesn't care about the wife. And it isn't a case that she's just being a complete bitch because it's completely uncalled for. We can see, we can sympathize with the character a bit because she has just lost her job through age discrimination. She's lost absolutely everything. She was like this really respected journalist and news reporter. She's not got a job anymore. And she's afraid that she's going to lose her son. So that's why she's being overprotective. That's why she's being overbearing because she doesn't want to lose the last important remaining thing in her life. And she isn't being a knob to Jennifer Lopez in front of the son. She is purposely trying to antagonize her. So she is like doing everything wrong or she's, you know, sort of suggesting really preposterous and hideous things for the wedding, like, you know, like a, a, a horrible shade of pink for the bridesmaids' dresses, or, you know, like a really inappropriate band for the wedding band, that sort of thing. So it isn't the case that she's, like, just calling her a knobhead and throwing water all over it. She's being really subtle in her attacks at first, and that's why the son doesn't see it, because he can't separate it, because in his eyes, his mum's just being sweet, and she's trying to get involved in the wedding. But J-Lo is, at first, she thinks, oh, maybe maybe she is just trying to be nice. But as the film goes on and it builds up, J-Lo starts realizing, actually, no, she is trying to undermine me here, and she is trying to force a wedge between me and, me and, uh, and, me and Kevin. So... Yeah, it isn't as obvious as Joel is making out. It is slightly more nuanced than that. Okay, and on some of Joel's other points, Dave, there was a no major romance, bargain basement, comedy, lazy, trope-ridden, and, you know, I think we'll we'll put the forgettableness down to Joel's lack of sleep. I'm going to give... I don't think Joel mentioned any of that, to be honest, does he? I think you've, uh, you've put a few words in Joel's mouth there. I, I read between the lines of what you <laughs> I appreciate that he's quite tired, so if he didn't say that, he thought to say that. <laughs> he, he could read. He could read me. I think he did actually say that. I don't write he did down say that, Ozzy. Although Gav did use the word, the, the term trope-ridden. <laughs> no, I, I didn't say trope-ridden. I said it had a few rom-com tropes, which all rom-coms do. You know, like, even... The, the ones that we've done recently, like Sleepless in Seattle, that was full of rom-com tropes. But does it mean that it's a bad film? No, you know, like the, it's, it's some things you expect in genres, and you know, this one has a few ones that you would expect in rom-coms. It's true. Should I pick up from here? Carry on, there, Dave. I'm mm-hmm. just going to throw this out here, Gav. Right, that <laughs> I was on the defensive team for Crossroads. Right, we got that on the hit list because that's a genuinely good film. The more you contradict me. <laughs> you this film going on the hit list i'm just going to put it out there straight away this is yours to lose my friend <laughs> i'm not saying anything now Dave. take it over <laughs> seriously that carry on okay. um I, I see where gav is coming from as far as there are a couple of rom-com tropes that you would expect but overall this is actually quite original i can't think of another rom-com that goes down this line so much. You know, Joel says there's not much romance to it. There is at the beginning as they meet, you know, before Jane Fonda's character sort of barges into their lives, 
the starting romance that they have is actually pretty good and it covers the first bit of the film at least when viola starts becoming a big part of the film she kind of barges away in between that romance that's the that's the idea so you don't get to see them working as a couple uh, in quite the same way because that's exactly what Jane Fonda's character is trying to achieve. She's trying to split them up. She's trying to make sure they don't spend any time together, trying to make sure that they're arguing a bit more. That's kind of why it goes down that way. But ultimately, romance wins out and they wind up getting back together. You know, things, everything works out all right in the end. As Maybe, maybe that in itself is a rom-com trope, that everything works out all right in the end. I don't know. But um, And I will say about the script... This is, I think it's quite obvious in its comedic efforts. You know, Gav says the uh, the character development is quite subtle, and I'll give him that one. The comedy itself, as Joel said, you might call it crude. You might call it obvious. There's not much subtlety to the comedy, but you don't need it to be. You know, this is a blockbuster. It did really well at the box office, absolutely stormed it. And, and as we've acknowledged, it's on TV pretty regularly. You know, there's an audience for this. And possibly because it doesn't take itself too seriously. The comedy is obvious. It's easily accessible. You know, the jokes are frequent and they are clearly jokes. And I, I will say about the script that this is Jane Fonda's uh, return to making films uh, for 15 years. She had a 15-year absence where she didn't make films. This is the film that lured her out of that semi-retirement, as it were, and back into cinema. So she clearly saw something she liked in that script. Or, or they just offered her a shed load of money. I don't know which, but she clearly saw something that made this a project she wanted to be a part of. And, you know, although, uh, you know, Gav is a raconteur and he often goes on a, a much longer spiel at the start about the film. This is a simple film, though. The plot is simple. He doesn't need to over elaborate on it. Inception, it isn't. You know, he doesn't need to explain all the twists and turns. It's a pretty simple, clean cut film. Uh, and, you know, the, Jane Fonda's character is a horror to Jennifer Lopez's character, but that's the idea. You know, that's the whole point of the film. That's why it gets funny, especially when Jennifer Lopez starts getting her own back on Jane Fonda. And it's just basically a battle of wits between these two, you know, all the while trying to sneak under the radar of Kevin, the uh, the son and fiance, trying to keep him oblivious to their sniping at each other and their backbiting. And it's just like, that's where the comedy comes from. That's where the gem is, watching these two leads go at each other with this kind of like thinly veiled malice and venom behind it. That's the joy. Okay. Um, so, uh, uh, Joel, um, Dave mentioned something there, and I just want to get your opinion on it. So, Jane Fonda was brought essentially out of retirement for this. Uh, is that a good move or a bad move? Um, it's a bad move, to be honest, because it didn't work. You know, I, I think it was Gav who compared this to, like, a Meet the Fockers, and you can kind of compare the two as well because of, um, you know, Barbara Streisand, who, who did that after, like, a little bit of a break as well. And that worked for her but it, it doesn't work for Jane Fonda and that's because like she I, th I think this film kind of afforded her like an opportunity almost to kind of be you know a little bit silly kind of take the pressure away it wasn't like a serious role she didn't kind of like need to get in a particular headspace or anything like that um but she's just kind of not that type of person I don't think like the character that she's trying to portray um this kind of you know, bitchy, kind of carefree, loose type of character. Like, it, it just doesn't really work for her. And she just kind of doesn't show any kind of sign of, you know, being in that kind of role either. You know, she doesn't really show herself that she's been up to the task. Um, and just something I want to kind of come back on as well is the kind of back and forth between Jennifer Lopez and her. Um, and I think it, it's one of the, the biggest problems of the film, really, because you never really kind of 
accept it almost because they go to extreme lengths. Like there's one uh, bit in the film where Viola, she faints like a nervous breakdown uh, on the night before Kevin's kind of, I think he's going to like a convention of some sort and she takes, uh, she forces Charlie to take care of her like, like while he's gone. And her kind of goal is to make her go crazy um, so that she'll call off the wedding. And it's it's just kind of such like, you know, that's the type of thing that you might see in like horror films or something like that. Like you try and drive someone crazy, make them think that they're losing it and all that type of stuff. And it, it, it just feels like so out of place in like this lighthearted comedy that there's kind of such, I don't know, you'd maybe call them like dark moments or something like that. I just think it's like a little bit more misplaced. There's definitely like a middle ground between like, you know, slapstick stuff like leaving a rake out and she steps on it and hits her in the face and like making someone think that they're literally losing their shit just to try and call off a wedding. I just think there needs to be like a little bit of middle ground because as I say, it is one of them films that you have on in the background. Maybe you could, you know, kind of turn your head off a bit. But all the while I was just thinking what an absolute fucker this woman is like I would you know, run a mile from this woman and you would want like your partner in this case, like her husband to be to kind of support you in that. And it never really happens. So as I say, like the the romantic part of this really kind of gets taken away because of that, because of this feeling of, you know, kind of unease through the, through the entire film. Yeah, we wanted to pick that up then. So actually the comedy is a little bit misplaced because some of the what should be a joke is actually a little bit malicious. It's a little bit when you step just below the face value, actually, it's a little bit um, red flaggy. Um, anyone wants to pick up on that? Is it, you know, does it genuinely feel that way or are you able to, able to go on, Dave? Yeah, I think the, Joel is right. You know, uh, put a different slant on this sort of uh, idea and this could be a horror film. It very easily could be. The key is tone. The key is keeping it light and breezy with the tone and keeping the jokes thick and fast as well. You know, keeping, although even though some of the jokes, you know, they may be repeated along the way, it's the way the cast tells them. And it's the way that you connect with the cast and you like the cast. That's what stops this getting too dark. Joel is right. This would be very easy, you know, with just a change of music even to make this into something incredibly sinister. But as it is, it's all down to the tone and the script, keeping it breezy, keeping it lighter. And with that in mind, you can kind of stay away from it getting too dark or anything along those lines. You know, you can enjoy it for what it is, which is just a slapstick. And like I say, at the end, everything works out. You know, the truth comes out. It is what it is. Everyone patches things up. Everyone gets on with the lights. It's a very pleasant ending. It's not a film where you're ever actually really worried for anyone's well-being or safety. It's um, So, yeah, I think it, it, the key is tone. Joel is right. It could have gone down that path. And I'm sure there are films that have been made which do go down that path. Horror films and thrillers and the like. It's all about the tone. And that's what keeps it from going that way. Oh, good, good. So we've touched a little bit on comedy. We've touched a bit, you know, touched a bit on tone and uh, some of the undertones that, that run through that you have to maybe balance with humour. And we did mention a bit about acting. So people have mentioned Jane Fonda coming back in. What about, you know, what about the others? You know, this pretty big name cast within this so pretty well j-lo so let's let, I mean her in, in particular you know it's always going to get a big audience to the <clears throat> box office with a name like that yeah how does she come across you know she's not someone i think of as a, an actor 
See, like, but why? That's my question here, right? Is that I think she is, and I think she does a good job in here, and I, I really rate J Lo. I think that she she appears in a lot of like, well, at least she did appear in a lot of rom coms, and she did really good performances in them. But I don't know, there's just this bit of a hang up about her in the noughties, and I just don't know why there was a lot of vitriol directed towards J Lo regarding her film career, which I think was definitely undeserved. And I don't know whether it's to do with it being like a crossover star going from music to film or whether it has something to do with the media shitting all over successful young female artists at that time, which they did with, you know, so many others. But like what separates her from somebody like Justin Timberlake, who, you know, I, I think she's by far a better actor than Timberlake, but he doesn't receive the same criticisms. And similarly, you know, around the time that this film came out, look at somebody like Adam Sandler, who released The Longest Yard and Fifty First Dates within the same year. And they were both considered average or shit by some, but they didn't receive the same flack. But yet all of the reviews that I read about this film all focused on J-Lo's performance. And I just think it was extremely unfair. I think she does a really good job here. Like one criticism I would say about her character, it was that, you know, it could have been fleshed out a little bit more. It seems that she focuses on getting a husband and she puts herself in a career secondary to that. But the idea is that, as Dave said, the film is about her interaction with her mother-in-law. If it would have, you know, concentrated too much on her, well, the other parts of her life, then maybe we wouldn't have as much time with the interactions between her and Jane Fonda. And yeah, I, I think she did a really, really good performance. Um, I think that she was really charming and sweet initially. And that's what you want because, as Joel said, he really hated Jane Fonda's character. He thought he was a bitch. And that's what you want because Jane Fonda is like an icon. She is a cinematic hero. If she was to come into this film, you would automatically you're probably going to be rooting for Jane Fonda. So you're going to need somebody who is sympathetic, somebody to play against Jane Fonda's character. So yeah, we've got J Lo who was really charming, really sweet, and then you've got Jane Fonda who has been, as Joel said, a bit of a bitch. And I think it works because if it, if it wouldn't have you would have been leaning more towards Jane Fonda and being like, mm, you know what? But that's not to say that Jane Fonda does, does a poor job here as well because she's absolutely amazing. As Dave said, she came back after a 15-year hiatus and you wouldn't have thought that she'd missed a day here because she's absolutely brilliant. Uh, she flips from playing this like frail and needy figure to her son to generate sympathy from him. And then she quickly switches it and she's absolutely brilliant when she's playing this scheming and vindictive side of herself to Charlie. The character's very nuanced as well, as I said before. It's not just a case of she's a bitch who you root against because you feel sympathy towards her throughout the film. She unjustly lost her job because of age discrimination. She has a fear of losing her son as well. And then later on in the film, you're introduced to Viola's mother-in-law, expertly played by the wonderful Elaine Stritch. Uh, and we understand her fears even more because her mother-in-law was a bitch to her. So it's just like a learned behavior sort of thing. And I think it's really great because, as Dave said, initially you're sort of like you're against Jane Fonda. And then uh, Charlie starts getting her, her own way. She starts actually battling against Viola and we start rooting for Charlie. And then right at the very end, when we want Jane, so when we want Viola to be defeated, we actually see, oh, you know, she's not that bad after all. And then there's this reconciliation, really sweet moments, and it's a happy ending. I, I think it's played really, really well, and I think the cast do a fantastic job. Uh, Joel, I'm going to let you have a little comeback on there. Is that, you know, I mentioned about J Lo, and uh, I think you, you'd said that she doesn't do a great job. She's a little bit 
one-dimensional and that's been thrown back that yeah the character's maybe a little bit one-dimensional but um in actual fact she's it's there to focus on a different relationship you're not focusing on her you're focusing on the the inter you know the interplay between those two you know how how, how did you find her was she believable as sort of a average joe uh, on the lookout for love i don't think so i mean uh, obviously you know she nobody deserves like kind of personal abuse and that type of thing like Britney Spears got the crossroads so that part of it was definitely you know uncalled for but her performance overall I don't think is great and I think a lot of it is down to not only a poor script but also the chemistry chemistry sorry between her and her partner and her and the mum Jane Fonda and I just don't think any of it works you know i think the guy that plays their partner uh, michael vartan i actually had to look him up and um, because like he, he's done like kind of very little since then and it doesn't really surprise me because he was quite terrible um <laughs> kind of more or less vartan, if you listen man we're sorry uh, <laughs> everything he did kind of like fell flat um, oh. say that oh, the most oh, important wow. thing. This, this is an attack on Michael Vaughn, Joel. Remember that it's an attack on the film. Leave Michael Vaughn like and the rest of his career alone. J- like Jane Fonda. Maybe he just listens in. Oh, there's another, there's another yeah. uh. monster in love. <laughs> maybe they liked me on this one, and then <laughs> I'm not even sorry, Michael. Let's be honest. Um, <laughs> Jane Fonda. You know, I've already talked about her a bit, but I think Gav kind of said that you feel sorry for her, and you don't because she was a TV host, and she does get fired, but she's got a fucking shit ton of money. She's like living really, really comfortably. This again is like one of them rom coms where they're not just like average Joes, the people that are extremely well off. Um, they can afford like all the nice things in life and all that type of thing. And it, uh, I, I think, you know, it's probably of its time. But again, I think it's just another thing that you can kind of throw against this film. Um, so I don't think you do feel sorry for her. I think you just feel like she's just vindictive um, and she's just trying to kind of maybe redirect her anger like somewhere else rather than deal with it as like a a normal human being um i think the only character that I, that i actually liked was adam scott's character i think he plays uh remy who's like um a, a, he's, he's uh one of jlo's gay friends and he, he actually puts in like a really good performance quite surprised me to be honest just because there was an actual good performance in this not because adam scott like, gave a Rec. good performance yeah the guy from parks and rec yeah so yeah i think he, he is more or less i'd say the only one that comes out of this with a thumbs up from me. J-Lo like, is like, you know, not terrible. It's not like I was closing my eyes when she was on the screen, but it's just poor material. And like, you know, even the best actor, as we've seen like throughout the years, like if you give them poor scripts, give them bad actors to work off, then they're not going to do the best job. And that's what happens here with her. So I don't think it's it's entirely her fault. Um, so yeah, overall, most people get a big thumbs down from me. Big thumbs down, Dave. Big thumbs mm. up. 
Uh, yeah, two big thumbs up. How's that? <laughs> I'll have to try that on for size. It worked really well on podcast, but yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah it's, it's audio, isn't it? Yeah, I, I did put my thumbs up, people, for anyone listening. Um, I, I agree with Gav, that, uh, and, and with Joel, he acknowledges it as well, that Jennifer Lopez was very harshly treated by the critics on this. Almost any negative review you watch of the film kind of focuses on her. You know, she's in the crosshairs at all times, and it's not fair. You know, I think she did a decent job here. And, you know, she's acting against an absolute legend in Jane Fonda. You know, this is no easy task. You could easily be blown off the screen. But she holds her own against Jane Fonda, you know, Oscar-winning actress Jane Fonda. That, that, she deserves some credit for that, you know, being able to hold the screen alongside this icon. And, yeah, I thought Jennifer Lopez did a decent job. Jane Fonda is a class act. She is a wonderful actress. And she commits you know, say what you will about any of the film's uh, decisions she make make, she commits to her role, and this one is no exception. She is hell for leather. The, uh, she is a monster in law. As Joel said, you know, she is, she is vile in some of the things that she does to this poor girl. Uh, but she, she's brilliant to watch. It's entertaining to watch. And the character is compelling and at the same time layered. You know, you hate her, but then you feel sorry for her, and then you understand where she's coming from, but then you don't get why she's doing that. And then it's like, all in all, you know, it's... You're with the character every step of the way, though. Jane Fonda makes sure of that. And I like the supporting cast. I thought Michael Vartan did okay. You know, he he went on to do Alias. That's why you didn't see him in as many films. He was committed to his Alias gig, I'd just like to point out. I really like Wanda Sykes in this. You know, I wish we'd see more of her, but then, you know, maybe too much of a good thing and all that. The thing with casting a comic actress like, like Wanda Sykes is that you can give her a relatively small role and she can do big things with it. You know, she will steal every scene that she is in. And it's an absolute delight to watch her. Wanda Sykes, I think, is superb. I liked Adam Scott as well. I thought Elaine Stritch's cameo was genius as, you know, a mother-in-law that's even worse than Jane Fonda, you know, who's even more vile to Viola's character than Viola ever was to Charlie. And I like Will Arnett in this as well. I mean, I like Will Arnett in most things. Uh, but this, he's, he's one of um, Kevin's friends who, uh, it, again, it's quite a small role, but he's a decent comic actor. He can make something of quite a small role. And so I think it's a solid support that they assembled here. Yeah, I can't, I can't really fault it. Go on, Gavin. Anyone? Yeah, yeah. No, I was just going to say, but I, I completely agree with everything Dave says, obviously. Um, because when's Dave ever wrong? <laughs> but I, I, I too say, often yeah. these days, too often. <laughs> But I will say that that's something that I thought was brilliant about this film. And one of the, the best parts of the film for me is the relationship between Wanda Sykes's assistant Ruby and Jane Fonda's Viola. I thought the interactions between the two of them throughout that that chemistry between those two, especially that love hate back and forth dialogue, uh, that their relationship was absolutely brilliant. <laughs> Uh, especially in like the final scene when you know Jane Fonda's like so oh that's it you know they, they've gone off they've got married now what do we do next and are you still gonna be with me you know even though you've got nothing to assist me on and Wanda Sykes is like yeah of course I'm not getting the car you old slut <laughs> and uh, I just thought it was a really really great performance and talking about chemistry I, I'm just gonna massively disagree with what Joel said I think the chemistry between J-Lo and Jane Fonda is absolutely brilliant here as as Dave highlighted earlier, it would take a bit, you know, particular script to get, to get Jane Fonda out of retirement, and I think this was the perfect script for her. And I think that maybe one of the selling points for her was was J Lo because <laughs> and the and the cash and the cash. And I just massively disagree with Joel's uh, eat the rich argument that he had in that you know we shouldn't feel sympathy for her because she's got a bit of wedge. Uh, <laughs> 
Sorry, I thought you were still going there. You still <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, like... no, no, I'm, I'm, uh, yeah, just uh, you know, it's it's a it's a good film. Two thumbs up again, as you can see. Uh, I've got massively big thumbs as well. Yeah. So look at that. Yeah, like, those bad boys. That's like <laughs> really compete with Gab's two and, and a half thumbs. <laughs> it's like the fucking I'm... King Kong of thumbs right here. <laughs> no, exactly. I'm just conscious of the time. Do we want to have a short wrap up argument? I feel like we've covered most things, but it'd be nice for a. I feel like this is the sort of film which deserves a very short mm-hmm. rundown of the, you know, a quick summary of of why you think it's on the hit or the shit list. Uh, should I go prosecution first? Give Joel a, a chance yeah, to be Yeah, I mean, I, th- I think what, one of the biggest things I like about rom-coms is you can watch them, you know, again and again. And while you're not glued to the screen, they're just like a good entertaining watch type of thing. But this isn't one of them films. You know, with rom-coms, it's like a busy kind of category, if you like. And I just don't think that there's enough here to come back to this film. You know, I don't even think there's enough here to watch it all the way through type of thing if you haven't seen it before. So I just think, you know, with the kind of caliber of other films out there, that there's no need to watch this film because, yeah, it just doesn't stack up to its competition. There you go. There are far better rom-coms if you want to waste your Sunday night. Uh, Gav, Dave, get one word to each and then intertwine. You've got to build. <laughs> one word <laughs> each. Okay, Dave, Make it good. count. I'll try that. Uh, rom-com. This. That's your word. Ah. Hang on. What are we, what are we going <laughs> on? This is a constructed <laughs> sentence. You start with Rob Cobb. It's improv. It's improv. Okay, Rob. right. I believe that this is a brilliant piece of cinematic history. Oh, my God. Containing... <laughs> Some excellent performances from Jane Bonda and Jennifer Lopez and the guy. <laughs> Ozzy, let's, let's call it a day. Thank you very much. That was uh, better than I could have hoped. I, I don't think our improv career is going to take off anytime soon. I've got a, I've got something, I've just got something to say here. Essentially, this movie is uh, just like Viola Field's character, initially full of bite and sting, but ultimately warms up bite and, and ends up pretty sweet. Yeah, essentially, it's honey, <laughs> not monster. <laughs> <laughs> All right, thank you very much. That's um. I've got enough for me to think about. Um, is there a quiz? Yes, there is. I have a little quiz that I didn't just write. And this is a quiz all about cinematic in-laws. So I've got 10 questions here about famous, well, famous films featuring in-laws. And you guys just got to give me the answers. I'm going to try and keep tabs. And the winner of this quiz gets a cake that my in-law made. So, um... Like I, it's I, got something in that you can't eat. No, 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 no. <laughs> I, I, I genuinely, I genuinely reckon if I messaged my mother-in-law now and said uh, I, I did a quiz and the prize was a nice cake made by you, she would be over the moon. She was so yeah. Uh, that, 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 that's it. Right, we're gonna I, go I with think, it. I think she's made it's a like, cake before and it was actually really good. So yeah, is, no, you, a, you have my attention. Amazing, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm I'm excited, amazing. Cake, but I, I long for the days when we used to give away Freddos. 
<laughs> Listen, like if you fucking pulled your finger out every now and again and delivered them or bought them, then maybe we still would be sending Alfredos everywhere. But for the most things for free anymore. Like, now <laughs> you're gonna... not work. <laughs> All I'm going to say is this cake is probably going to cost more uh, in, in creation and delivery than a Freddo would, does he? So be grateful, you son of a bitch. Right. <laughs> Question number one. Meet the parents. Ben Stiller gets a less than warm welcome from his fiance's parents, especially from their overprotective father, Robert De Niro. Now, fingers on the buzzers, by the way. But what was De Niro's character's former profession? Um. Um. That was Joel, I think. Wasn't he like in, in the FBI? Or oh, no. no. Te- no. Anybody else quick? CIA. Yes, Dave, CIA. CIA. <laughs> Come on, Joel. <laughs> right. It's all still to play for. Question number two, father of the bride. Steve Martin is reluctant to let his daughter go in this classic rom-com, but which comedian portrayed the overbearing and demanding wedding organiser, Frank Egelhofer. Um, Dave? Take a guess, Martin Short. Very good guess, it is Martin Short. Hey! Well done. Okay, uh, unfortunate um, Alex isn't here for this one. Number three, my big fat Greek wedding. Uh, sorry, that wasn't a dig about him being big fat or Greek. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, you, you'll understand why soon. A young Greek woman played by Nia Vardalos falls for an American man, John Corbett, and, and then there's a cultural and heritage clash. But which immensely popular TV show did Corbett also play a love interest to the main character? Um, Dave? Sex in the City. It is. Well done. It is Sex in the City. Well uh, done, if you, if you hadn't given us that Alex clue at the start. I know, I know, I know. That's why I had to. I thought I was like, well, I was, well I was it's not Buffy or Star Trek, so. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. I, I was just saying it was Star Trek. Uh, do you remember that scene with him romancing Captain Kirk? <laughs> uh, now, question number four. Why him? A young woman falls for an idiot millionaire who her father takes an instant disliking to. But which comedic actor turned dramatic powerhouse played the father in this film? I've never even heard of that film, don't think. Yeah, I've not seen it. So just think about it. A comedic actor who had a career transformation and turned into one of the best dramatic actors. Ooh, of... bam. Dave? Bernie Mac. <laughs> no, but I wish, no. Um, <laughs> No, no. Okay, I'll say that this actor played as has played one of maybe TV's greatest ever characters, and this is within the last ten years. TV's well, greatest. Dave. Brian Cranston. It is Brian Cranston. Okay. Yeah, that's not. The guy from uh, Malcolm in the Middle. Yeah, exactly. That's where I started by saying comedian turn. Jeez, get the cloth out of your ears, obviously. Pay attention. There's a cake at stake here. <laughs> Right, number five, Sweet Home Alabama. Reese Witherspoon travels to Alabama to obtain a divorce from her husband who she has been separated from for several years. But where is Witherspoon's character traveling from? This is just a guess, but you can probably get it if you have enough. Um, Dave? New York. New York, yes. <laughs> Guys, come on, come on. I was going to try. Start frosting that cake. You're not trying, Austin. I thought there was like a, a something to do with sweet in there, and it was like a double pun. 
No, 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 no. There's no double puns. Stop thinking too hard. No, Dave's already got fifty percent of the answers here, and fifty percent of that cake. Okay, question number six. Minus one point for Ozzy. Question number six. Robin Williams and Nathan. Right. Question number six. The bird cage. Robert Williams and Nathan Lane play a gay cabaret owner and his drag performer partner who pretend to be straight to appease their son when being introduced to his fiancé's right-wing parents. But which actor plays the fiancé's moralistic father? I haven't seen half of these films. Why don't you just give me a cake? (laughs) (laughs) Um, Dave? Is it Gene Hackman? It is Gene Hackman. Well done, Dave. Well done. God. Hey, I didn't mean for this quiz to embarrass both you, Joel, and Ozzy, but... Uh, I'm never embarrassed to to There's a cake at stake. Okay, this got real. <laughs> okay, question number seven. Mickey Blue Eyes. Hugh Grant's English auctioneer proposes to a woman who turns out to be the daughter of a mafia kingpin, but who played that kingpin? Bam. Dave. James Kahn. It was James Kahn. It was. I knew that one. There was no guesswork on that one. I knew it. <laughs> 70% of the answers here, guys. Come on, pull your fingers out. Uh, the, the, the amount of cakes that you're going to get is drastically reducing. So right now, Dave got himself like a loaf, and you guys have got oh, like yeah. cup, cupcakes. Even if I get a cupcake, I'm happy. <laughs> okay, okay, right. Uh, <laughs> if you can get one question each, you can get a cupcake each, all right? You haven't even cleared this with her. We're not going to get anything. <laughs> trust me, trust me. She, she will be delighted. Right, uh, question number eight. The in-laws. So Albert Brooks's mild-mannered doctor finds out that his future son-in-law's fiancé, uh, sorry, his future son-in-law's father is a freewheeling international spy. But which actor played that spy? Bit of an 80s Lothario. Who had I've an never incredibly heard of this film. who had an incredibly old dad? An incredibly old dad. Uh, In real life. Yeah. Michael Douglas. Yeah. <laughs> is it? Yeah. Is it? <laughs> it is Michael Douglas. I think that Alex would be really upset with that clue. That's, the <laughs> only thing if, notable about his dad no. is that he was really old. What <laughs> of cinema's greatest actors? The amount of stellar performances that he's given, and he's just referred to as somebody's old dad. Oh, Kirk Douglas, was he that really old guy? He's like, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Was he that dad? <laughs> okay, question number nine, ready or not. A bride's wedding night takes a sinister turn when her eccentric, eccentric in-laws force her to take part in a terrifying game of hide-and-seek. But how did the Le Demar family make their fortune? How did the family in Ready or Not make their fortune? Austin, looks like you know this one. I was trying to make an educated guess because I feel like we're running out of questions and if I don't get one right, I don't get a cake. <laughs> well, the only thing the is, question. this is a film I've seen is it, and I haven't is got a, a clue. Film? What's sorry? Is it like a horror film? Horror it is comedy, a horror yeah. film, yeah. There is a clue. Um, okay, so they're playing, a, they're playing a game. Yeah. yeah. Um, Dave? Did they make board games they did make board games <laughs> they did make board games well done well done right okay so one question left only one cupcake to be won by either joel or ozzy <laughs> you can split it if you we'll, want we'll split it out. okay question we'll just 10. knock out dave and take his cake 
<laughs> Joel, now I'm really hoping that you'll get this one, man. Game of Thrones, maybe the most famous mother-in-law from hell, Cersei Lannister, spoiler alert here, which inventive method did Cersei use to see off her daughter-in-law? Ah. Joel. She blows up the whole cathedral or something, doesn't she? Yeah, yeah, I'll give you that. I've got written down here. She explodes the shit out of everything with wildfire. <laughs> so, yeah, uh, yeah. Both are right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So well done, Joel. You've won yourself a cupcake there, Dave. Um, what season's uh, uh, in, by the way? What, sorry? What season's that in? Have we just spoiled oh, it? Spoiler alert. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, season episode one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I really like, the, uh, really like that old guy at the moment. What's his name? Jonathan Price. I can't remember his name. The one who always dies. Sean oh, Bean. Yeah. Really like Sean yeah. Bean. That old guy. That old guy. <laughs> talk about hurting someone's feelings. Sean then, Bean would be devastated. To be at least call him the guy who does the O2 adverts as he gives him some no, credit. I'm aware, he, I'm aware he dies. Yeah. Do you know? Uh, do you know when that when Game of Thrones first came on the TV? I was uh, getting the train with some guy I knew and. Um, I, I, he was like, what are you doing tonight? And I was like, oh, I've recorded the first episode of Game of Thrones. Can't wait to get back and watch them. And he's like, oh, yeah, yeah, it's really good. I've read the books. Of course, you do know that Sean Bean's character dies, don't you? And I'm like, no. <laughs> why, why would I know that? And he's like, well, Sean Bean dies in everything, doesn't he? And then I sat there for a good, I'm going to say two minutes, listing many things that Sean Bean hasn't died in. And, uh, and yeah, and uh, I don't think I've spoken to that guy since. Um, <laughs> good for you, Gav. Good for you. <laughs> and I can't remember, I, I, cut I people can't like that, that out of your life. Yeah, I can't remember whether it's because you've kicked him out of your life or he's kicked you out of his No, life. it's definitely the other way around, yeah, yeah. I bored him so much with the, my Sean Bean knowledge that uh, he hasn't spoken to me since. <laughs> oh, anyway, um, thank yeah, thank, thank you very much for that, guys. Uh, Dave, your cake will be... Uh, Mashed through your letterbox. <laughs> I will look onto forward your, to it. Onto your fancy new carpet. <laughs> Dave, I, I give you a ring when I'm about to deliver it. If you just lie on your back with your mouth open. <laughs> By the letterbox, Bill. <laughs> okay, Ozzy. Yeah, no, thank you very much. Um, I think that was some pretty passionate arguments outside, surprisingly, considering a film named Monster-in-Law. And, you know, it seems pretty lighthearted. Uh, middle of the road dross is uh, was was what I was expecting. However, but before you say anything, Gav, I can see you about to erupt. Um, <laughs> I think the arguments were really good. You know, it felt like maybe the, the the there's a little bit more to it than just meets the eye. And I mean, Joel said that the chemistry's off, and you know, the the husband doesn't grasp the situation. But we're told that actually there's more nuance to that. It's very subtle the way the the way that the pranks and the, 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 the tricks are played upon uh, Jennifer Lopez's character. So, and, you know, and there's a bit of reasoning behind there. So I feel like maybe this has got just enough um, sort of backstory to it and a little bit to, to be read into. If you really wanted to make a BuzzFeed article out of this, you could about how I've got here that Viola's mental breakdown is linked to losing her job to a hot young thing and that she's going to lose her son to a hot young thing and there's a few plays off there Dave said it's pretty original you know the romance is in there and then suddenly it's it disappears and that's because Viola has caused it to stop so I like the idea behind that and then equally I really like that Joel said that there's absolutely no effort in this there's no um, people are just in here for the money there's no chemistry and it's all off you know it felt like that's a pretty 
Uh, got an, a little mention here that it, it could basically be an Adam Sandler film. Um, if uh, if they wanted it to have been, it was pretty much along the lines of that. However, um, it came back with that even though some of the characters were not like tip top, not incredibly well written, it's not that bigger. It's not that big an issue because actually it's about the interplay between the characters and not necessarily the development. It's um, there's a small you look at a small snapshot of their life rather than a a big overview and the the contrast between. Jane Fonda and J Lo is is enough to really give the layers to the to the film. So Jane Fonda's back after a fifteen year absence. That was touted a few times as being you know reason enough to put this film on the um, on the hit list. I think for me that there was a a good shout out. I have seen this film long long ago, and I think it was one of the last arguments. Uh, reminded me of some of the bits which I liked about it, and that's about uh, Ruby and uh, Viola. That little bit of a relationship, I thought that was actually genuinely funny. And for that reason alone, I'm going to go back and watch this with it on the hit list. <laughs> I, just, I remember that being a good oh, one. Yeah. I, I hope the rest of it matches up to that. Okay. The people's faces mean. It might not. But, uh. <laughs> <laughs> I'll see. Like, there's time for genuine opinions. I'm going to go first. I really like this film. I don't understand where all this shit comes from. But then again, I really like Crossroads and I don't understand where all this shit came from for that as well. Maybe I'm not a good judge of film. But, you know, what are you going to do? Because, uh, you know, I'm on the podcast. So <laughs> I, I think if me and you weren't on this podcast, Ozzy, it, all of these films would be going on the shit list. But you know what? We are. And... <laughs> We stand for films like Monster in Law and for Crossroads and for Roadhouse. So you know what? Fuck them all, Ozzy. That's what I say. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> moving on, Joel. Genuine opinion. Uh, like I, I was probably more harsh than I needed to be, but like, and I don't really mind it. But I don't think it's a hit film. I think it probably belongs on the shit list. But it's like watchable shit, if that makes sense. So yeah, like. I think you've done a terrible job, Ozzy. That is what I'm trying to say. <laughs> Don't listen to the Ozzy. Now, this is the most uh, interesting one for me. Dave, what was your, <laughs> your face says it all like for? Just tell us, what was your genuine opinion? I mean, a few moments ago, Gab said, when's, when's Dave ever wrong? And the answer is more often than I care to admit. But uh, I'll tell you what I will admit. I'm often a goddamn liar on this podcast. <laughs> um, you know what? All said and done, this film isn't that bad. This is not a hit film, though. This is really not that good. I'm with Joel on this. I did think the romance was pretty bad, and I think it was let down by Michael Vartan, who I thought was incredibly bland in this role. I thought he went missing quite a lot of the time. But you know what? It's not necessarily his fault. The script is just leaden. The script is what lets it down. It is such a forgettable script. It is so... It, it, amateurish it really is it's just it's a very poorly written script you could have jane fonda reading this out and you know if it weren't for the fact that she gives an absolute powerhouse performance that, that salvages something from here jane fonda is good wanda sykes is good i stand by that jennifer lopez is all right she didn't deserve anywhere near the grief that she got over this film but still all right is probably the strongest word i, I can use it's it's not good it's it's not terrible I'd, I will admit we've got worse films on the hit list, but I would name have them. 
<laughs> let's let's not go down. Let's let's not pull on that thread. <laughs> um, with yeah, but there's worse films on the hit list, but this is not a hit list film for me. Uh, I feel it falls short in quite a few categories. Um, I would have sided with Joel. It's not god awful, but it's really not that great. Well, damning well, stuff. But still, uh, ultimately, doesn't matter. <laughs> <laughs> I'm intrigued enough to give it another watch now and just see. Uh, maybe, yeah. maybe I was salvaged only by you know the memories of just a few lines. But um, fingers crossed. It's... To be honest, Ozzy, it's probably the type of film that like you'd love and say it's in your top five. So it wouldn't surprise <laughs> me. You know, if this was a real court of law, and that's often how I see this podcast, you know, like that this is a proper trial and I've got to do my job as a lawyer for the client. And it's kind of like it's me and Gav have just gotten a guilty man free. Gav's the one who's going home with a spring in his step and worse than I'm the one drowning his sorrows in the bar, wondering how I'm going to look myself in the mirror tomorrow. <laughs> yeah, and that man is gleefully jumping and skipping down the road, stabbing people as he goes. <laughs> Um, okay, a uh, little, little bit of trivia, no, tiny little bit of trivia. Uh, Michael Varton, uh, at the time of this film, was married to Jennifer Garner, and J-Lo, at the time of this film, was married to Ben Affleck. After the film, they both divorced, and their partners got together. Isn't that weird? I'm wondering if they met at the rap party. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, no, right. Wasn't that god-awful? Let's go off for a moment. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know what I just don't think I can look at them in the same way I don't think I can look at them in the same way again. <laughs> let's leave them <laughs> uh, yeah like people who've been through like a massive trauma you know like gravitate towards each other um, anyway right higher or lower than our previous film on trial which was uh, one of the rom-com's greatest films lower. Yeah, it's, it's lower it's lower but how about but how much I'll tell you right now Monster Law on Rotten Tomatoes scores 18% critical and 55% oh, shit, 18% Eighteen percent. I didn't realise it would be that bad. Honestly, like like fifty five percent is what I expected. You know what I mean? I was like, oh, it's going to be around. It's going to be just above the fifty percent mark. Is is what I thought. And seeing eighteen percent, I was like, oh my god, I've struggled to find some positive reviews of this. And you know, every other review that I opened up was just shitting all over Jay and I was like, oh my god. Like, and that's why I was saying I was genuinely surprised. When I look at some of the previous films that we've done that around released around this time, which I think are, you know, as average or whatever, if you want to say this film's average, as average as this film, or even worse, they didn't receive anywhere near the amount of criticism. And I'm like, well, well why? I just don't understand. <laughs> anyway, right. <laughs> On that note, we are going to be continuing our rom-com season next week or next 10. Uh, when Joel has his pick, and he has picked the, I don't know, I think this came out in 2005 as well, didn't it? 2005 rom-com, Wedding Crashes. Joel, why have you picked that film? I just fancied watching a, a film with Owen Wilson and Vince Bourne in, and this was top of the list. Uh, it's a good <laughs> opportunity to do a <laughs> Owen Wilson impression as well. So, Wow. I mean, you know. <laughs> wow. It's the best of a bad budge. <laughs> I'll give you that. <laughs> I thought you were going to say, I wanted to watch a Rob comic that came out in 2005 that wasn't shit. <laughs> but no, anyway. <laughs> well, that as well. <laughs> so uh, thank you very much, everyone, for your arguments. Thank you very much for everybody who's listened. We really do appreciate you taking the time out to listen to this show. If you want to hear more Films on Trial content, go on filmsontrial.co.uk or check us out on any streaming platform. Check us out on all social media, Films on Trial. 
So what have we learned today? Well, we've learned that Kurt Douglas is much, much more than just somebody's old dad. <laughs> and that ultimately, Monster in Law is on the hit list. So we're going to be in your ears next time with Wedding Crashers. Goodbye. I think it's because you've been playing such a long game, Dave, convincing everybody that you're the sensible, nice one. The longest of games. I tell you, we'll all, all be in our retirement home to, when I just leave, lock yeah. the door and start a fire. <laughs> <laughs> and it'll be too late.